A warm welcome back once again to Lost in Postulation. I am Neil Fitzpatrick and I'm joined once again by Nicola Volpe, fresh from his one-week suspension from all broadcasting from the BBC. Yes, it's good to be back. I'm going to have to control myself. The BBC... Uh putting their nose in places they shouldn't be I and was, bowing to the demands of the Tory backbenchers. That's all they're doing. I was shocked that they reached out to us, but there you go. They were uh, they had enough. They said, you need to stop. You made your demands. They backed down, and here we are. Back. I'm, I'm not neutral enough, apparently. Not, not, you, know, you need to really tone down the opinions. That's... Uh, yeah. It's not okay for a broadcaster to have, to have no, opinions. not no. allowed. We do, we, we're very much not in the ethos of, of what the BBC would be about. I don't think we can expect a call from them anytime soon. Right, and especially opinions coming from a place of compassion. I mean, that's just... That's beyond... We uh, don't need that, right? Beyond acceptable, no. Yeah. But geez, Gary Lineker, yeah, he had a bit of a rough week, but uh, yeah. there you go. I think it didn't even last a week. I think it lasted about like the weekend, basically. Exactly. And but that was our backtracked, yeah. Yeah, but that was our thing for the weekend. That was our news cycle of the weekend, right? <laughs> exactly. That, that kept us going. It was great. Good drama. Exactly. Thank you, BBC. Thanks as ever. But uh, here we are, and we are back once again with another hot set of postulations. Didn't say with the, the T word there. And I am, uh, of course, excited to get into that. But before we do, I think we're going to open, as always, with what we've taken to calling a mundane postulation yes yes we do and i have one for you neil um i've been inspired our listeners want to know from you neil how do you like your eggs wow i'm glad you asked yeah eggs are one of the few things that i will openly brag about being good at making like, oh wow because because okay. like you know i generally i'm not a good chef you know and and actually i don't mind being the punching bag in a conversation when i'm like yeah i'm so bad at cooking blah blah, blah. but i draw the line at eggs because i'm actually very very good wow at scrambled eggs in particular scrambled yeah yeah, yeah. that's lovely now the, the the thing that most people do when they get into scrambled eggs is they they do the uh the youtube rabbit hole of like trying to find which chef has the best scrambled eggs you right. know Gordon Ramsay has a great recipe for it. He, his involves creme fraiche. It's got like a lot of different uh, oh, wow. okay. angles to it. Um, but it, over the years, I've, I've kind of taken parts from each and kind of developed my own. So anyway, scrambled eggs, honestly, done well. I, I struggle to think of something much better. And actually, even uh, some of the best high-end like restaurants I've had, they do a, a take on scrambled eggs or some version of a scrambled egg yeah. or, or an omelette. So it's uh, it's not just me. I think these are like... Uh, Eggs are, eggs are key. Wow. that's I, I actually didn't expect that, uh, but uh, not in terms of the scramble, but in terms of just this this passion for, for eggs. Eggs are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like uh, on their own, just a bit of bread on the side and you're good to go. Look at you. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. So scrambled, I, I'll get into my recipe, but I'm interested to hear, first of all, what's your, uh, how do you like your eggs? Well, the reason I ask is because uh, last weekend, got up on a Sunday and we had some eggs in the fridge left over because I had made a carbonara because mm. that's about the extent of, of eggs. I'm not having many eggs, but okay. when I do, you know, leftover. Yeah. Uh, and I was going to go with my regular sunny side up. A oh. bit of salt, bit of pepper, not too cooked, you know, Shame. throw it on the plate. Well, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll that's you, where uh, this comes from. Yeah. And um, and I was like, Maria, I'm going to make them sunny side up. And she said, no, 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 let's do, uh, let's do scrambled. I'm like, yes. And they were good man i forgot how good scrambled eggs are underrated yeah because when you go out to brunch you're not having scrambled eggs you're doing benedict you're doing whatever yeah scrambled eggs man when they're not you know at the end of like a a hotel breakfast buffet Mm. when you're having them then and there in your kitchen 
good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think um, poached overrated by far. I mean, the poached are part of this and like overpriced. Yeah, yeah, and they're part of this avocado toast brunch kind of scene, With which a bit of salmon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and like Florentine now. It's ugh, whatever. I'm I'm like skipping all that altogether, and like. Uh, it's it's way more effort for less enjoyment actually like the what you end up with a poached egg is like something that may or may not have worked it may be too hard on the inside or it may not whereas scrambled you just take all of that out of the equation you follow the instructions that i follow anyway and you end up with every single time absolutely perfect it's uh well it's then a game let's hear it. okay i'll go i'll go fast because i know we have a lot to get into for this for this episode and i'll go even faster than i normally talk which is uh, well, maybe not yeah, that huh? i'll wrap it instead no but uh no the main thing is uh four eggs let's say we'll get them into the pan bit of butter in the pan this is for two else. people or for one uh that could be one actually that oh, wow. would be like because i'm doing like two pe- big pieces of bread and i'm gonna spread these things all over loading this, the this protein is my, combining oh, yeah. it with the car bit I of mean, cholesterol you're, you're good to go yeah. i love it but this is like a, for a big weekend morning where it's going to set you up for the, the rest of the day you might for have success it. yeah uh, even more success than usual but uh, <laughs> yeah but uh let's say let's say four eggs in the pan bit of butter in there too right Heat five, five out of 10 or five out of nine, let's say, and just keep stirring. Don't stop stirring. Sorry, I know that sounds like a lot of work, but it's going to be worth it, right? I can appreciate that. You're stirring, you're stirring, you're stirring, right? And you're constantly looking for any sticking at the bottom. And the minute you see any sticking, you just get that thing off there. Like it needs to be a constantly flowing thing, right? Eventually you'll start to see that it does something called it walks. And what what this means, I got picked this up from a different walks W A L K S. Yeah, like the, yeah. the eggs walk, and by, by what not run because running is is liquid, right? If they walk, what it means is if you were to push them, they'll kind of continue themselves a little bit on their on their journey, mm. and you want them to still walk because if they get like, and I'm going to reference now the worst case scenario, the hotel. Uh, bre- breakfast buffet scrambled yeah. eggs which is just like a floppy piece of rubber almost you know yeah. that's the last thing you want you right. need them to still have that kind of walking not running but walking eggs right then and th- this is the only bit of fancy so soft but not liquid but even like a little bit liquidy but still sticks to the spoon okay. or whatever you know that you're uh, okay. cooking with right then uh one fancy thing you can do is uh, we have a, a bag of like Grada Padano uh, cheese, you know, like just pre- oh, wow. pre-grated, ready to go. And don't add that cheese until the last minute. So like okay. literally you're ready to serve, then you add the cheese, stir, 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 and then go. Like wow. don't don't let the cheese sit for the whole time. And you'll notice I haven't mentioned salt or pepper. That's because you only add them at the very end. So mm-hmm. once the eggs are good to go, you just crank a few times of the salt and pepper and then onto the plate and you're, and you're gone. And trust me, you follow that, you're like absolutely golden. Wow. Wow. I think next next master himself. Absolutely. Next weekend, go for it. It is uh you won't regret it. I had no clue that's where we were gonna end up, but we gotta get you, you know, on the Today Show or something. I'm like happy making to. these. I'm happy to. Studio audience. Somebody needs to invite me because I've never had the chance up until now to prove myself. That's uh, I'm gonna try that. And I'm gonna let you know. And listeners, sure. let us know uh what your favorite way to have egg is for those of you listening on spotify that's now possible because we have a new polls feature coming in where we can interact with you a q a feature so what you will see when you're listening to a podcast in spotify is at the bottom uh kind of the place where when you're listening to a song the lyrics start to pop up if you click into that 
you'll have a way to interact with us. We're going to start putting out more and more of these uh, and continue building the community with it. It's a brave new world. Look where podcasts are going and how smart of Spotify, because now here we are giving them a plug for free, right? Absolutely. Meanwhile, again. the other, again, and the other podcast platforms, they're they're left in the dust. We don't talk about them. We right? don't talk about them also because we're not very thrilled with one of the other big players mm, at the moment because yeah. of a, a lack of analytic sharing. Yeah, we need but, our analytics. Yeah, yeah. But we also need to be available on their platform so we can not call them out now indeed or else we have another potential bbc suspension scenario. we have enough we have too many enemies as it stands i think so uh, yeah. let's let's leave them let them go so apologies to that podcast platform apologies to the bbc but please spotify listeners take advantage of that feature we want to hear from you this is really going to facilitate our communication while you're there on any platform rate or review it really helps to, to grow mm. the podcast which continues to grow Absolutely. What a, an exciting time to be podcasting. Like when you see the numbers come in and each episode does better than the last, it's like, damn, there's something, something's working at something least. Something there, right? So yeah. uh, last week's had one listener. This one might have two. <laughs> Maybe even three. No, exactly. I, think I we, mean, after uh, the eggs, I think we're going to... We're going to see on the analytics that it kind of yeah. tapers off after this minute. They're Indeed. like, I got my eggs recipe. I'm out. Exactly. We may have lost a few vegans as well from the very start who just did not want to hear about eggs in any way, shape or form. But unfortunately, that is the way it goes. Yes, listeners. So there we are. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back to discuss the Oscars in a different light. Welcome back once again, everybody, and on to our main topic, the meat of the uh, of the of the episode. We're here to talk about the Oscars. Very topical, very timely. We like to be uh, with our fingers on the pulse of pop culture as ever, and uh, of course, it's no exception. The Oscar results came out on uh, late Sunday night here in Europe, and we've had a day or so to to react and, and process it a little bit. We've also seen actually quite a few. I think between us, we've seen all of them or, or almost yeah. all of the Oscar nominees, at least for Best Picture and a few more besides. Quite an effort, to be honest. It was, and it was a bit of a sprint to the line at the end there. Absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> last weekend, I was just like, go, go, go. Watching. We went with a divide and conquer strategy. Yeah, it was a good end. one. It was yeah. a good one. So between us, I think we ha- we are a decent authority on those on those films. We can we can kind of chip in on a few, and that's that's a bit the idea here. We're going to start by talking a bit about the results themselves, 2023, and and a bit the, the story lines and the backgrounds there uh, but we also want to get a little bit into the history and the background all in service of bringing us to some new postulations on the oscars so exactly. uh, i think it'll be a, an interesting one but i think i'll jump up first of all over to you nicola for your thoughts on 2023 and the results well i think by now everyone knows everything everywhere all, all at once stole the show uh, mm. as expected as predicted in the lead up to it i yeah. mean they were tipped they won in every major above the line category they were nominated for they swept these oscars the only uh major category they didn't take was uh best actor because they didn't have anybody up for that yeah um and i think uh look uh putting all my cards on the table it's a movie that in our chart i had down as a dnf i Mm. could not finish it um didn't particularly play to my taste that doesn't mean i think it's a bad movie or anything but I think that says something, you know, also about where we are with the Oscars, that a movie can get recognized, you know, as best picture and potentially rightfully so. And I don't even finish it. It is shocking, actually, to think. And you're not the only one. I've had a few people right. say to me, not that they, you know, didn't love it, but they actually were like, it, it was insufferable. Like I had to I had to stop it instantly. I tried twice. Yeah. And I really twice. Yeah. Well, I watched, I think, about 40 minutes 
one yeah. day. And then I was like, mm, mm. I need to come back to this. Okay. Um, and then I tried with another 20, but it was too late. It's unfortunate because there is like a danger zone in the first 40 minutes where the movie like takes some serious risks and like goes in some very, very strange places mm-hmm. and just hopes that you, you hang in there kind of, you know? Yeah. And I can imagine for many people, especially if you're not, if you're not too into like multiverse-esque stuff, right. of which there's been a lot recently between uh, Marvel, but then also Rick and Morty and all these other yeah. shows. If that's new to you, as it was to, for example, Yura, my girlfriend, like she was just dialing out a half, like within the first 40 minutes, she was like, do I am I supposed to be enjoying this or what? But like it did. What is going on? Exactly, right? yeah. exactly. But it actually really did pick up, I felt, and nailed and stuck the landing, which to me is the main reason I love it as a film. Okay. It's by far the most ambitious film I've seen in probably years, genuine. Like yeah. in, in terms of the creative ambition of it. And somehow miraculously managed us to not mess that up and get lost in its own complicatedness. Like all of the the leaps we have to make logically about the multiverse and, and all these different timelines mm-hmm. and stuff, all of it actually logically makes sense, which is more than you can say even for Inception or for Tenet or those right. other like big mind bendy films. So I just loved it. I And I thought it was all that besides amazingly acted, written, directed, all that. So I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm one of the kind of pro E E A O whatever it is, everything ever all at once. Uh, I'm, I'm a pro. Uh, I'm yeah. happy they won, and I also think it's like one of the best films on that list. So I'm like, I don't feel too right. Annoyed. It's certainly not like one of the previous years. Crash is the obvious one where it's like Moonlight. Yeah, where it's just like a complete <laughs> robbery, and it's like what happened. Yeah, that's not the case here. Uh, that said. Uh, it is also a bit boring when one film just kind of absolutely sweeps and, and just takes everything. Right, but, uh, right. But I'd, I'd love to, I, I will, look, I'll give it another try. Mm. Um, also because I just, I really respect uh, risk-taking in, in creative pursuits. And I think that's, uh, so I'm not going to sit here and hate on it because it was insufferable for me in those mm. 40 minutes. You know what, I'll, I'll give it another try. Mm. Uh, and in particular, because can we give a round of applause to my guy, Data, K. Hui Quan. I'm glad you pronounced his name. Fifty-one. <laughs> that's insane. I like, but that's that seems to be the theme of the Oscars this year. It's like comeback it's, it's comeback stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's fantastic. And sometimes they do have a theme. Sometimes there is like so, a part of our culture that seems to surface. And you know, in previous years, it was like with Parasite. It was the how international film was taking its its step into the light. You know, right. And now it's about comebacks, where it's like actors who have been actors or actresses or whoever who have been cast aside by the industry do have a chance to come back. Like Brendan Fraser, like Kay, who can come straight back in. Jamie Lee Curtis winning at 65, her first Oscar. Agree. Amazing for her. With the strong asterisk that, okay, sorry, that was not an Oscar winning performance no. uh, by any stretch. And you didn't, like, it doesn't change in the rest of the film. That's how she is for the right. whole film. So that, to me, was uh, a bit disastrous. Well, but. it's a bit also the classic Academy thing of, hey, you've had a great career. Here's your Lifetime Achievement Oscar. I, and I understand they're doing that more and more. Like Leo, that was the, the, that was the situation. Right? He could have won it for four other films, right? Could and yeah. should, right. And there's probably been multiple others. Even Anthony Hopkins, I think, was... A, mm-hmm. he, he had already won before, I think. But still, it was like... It's kind of a, a recognition of his career. He was like right. quite uh, quite an advanced age when he won it. But uh, And I'm okay with that generally. But it's just like... Uh, there were some other good nominees. Kerry Condon, who was I would nominated. Have given it to her. Yeah. I think she was probably the high point of that movie, actually, of Banshees of Inisher. And so I just thought that that's a shame. And also for her, like, she'll be back, I'm sure. Like, she'll have other nominations, but it was kind of her first big, big moment on... on uh, I thought she was great. Yeah. 
I think more phenomenal. to come. More to come. Yeah, she was. Yeah. She was. She was particularly in a star-studded cast like that, where you've Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, right. to go up against, and you still hold your own. And the brightest to, star. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that aside, I thought, broadly speaking, a decent set of awards. I the only take I have on it is just that it's a bit surprising how the things that I respect everything everywhere all at once for were things like the music, costumes, editing which it won nothing for actually <laughs> exactly and the acting that it the it, how it took awards for best actor actress supporting actress like yes but also i could have seen those going to kate blanchett for example from tar right like, uh, there were other uh great candidates on those fronts whereas from an editing perspective it's like the most cuts in any film ever i think uh, it's just like mm-hmm. it has some like serious world beating kind of stats behind it and Weirdly enough, that's where it wasn't uh, recognized. But uh, and yeah. most of those below the line awards actually went to All Quiet on the Western Front. Indeed, yeah. And that I I almost was about to text you on like Friday saying invest in Nick's noise. Oh, you've read the you've read the book, sir. You uh, <laughs> the original no. title. Indeed, yeah. indeed. But uh, what I was going to say is I actually was starting to think we were in for another upset, and I actually thought All Quiet was going to do the unthinkable yeah. and walk away with the with Best Picture. And I was going to say probably because of the of, of the Ukraine situation that it was like a, mm. a protest vote towards yeah. Russia where they say it, a movie about how war is hell. Of course, it's timely. Of course, it's relevant to to award it. Then again, I think uh, the best film or the better film won in this in this scenario. Yeah. 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 And while you say that, you mentioned Russia. Best documentary actually went to the Navalny. Uh, oh yeah. documentary well there you go so they yeah. the the academy i guess felt that they got uh, they got a chance to yeah. uh, to make their point uh, on that one and, and, and uh, highly recommended actually there's uh, there's a scene in the middle where he's basically uh, on speakerphone prank calling uh, the ones uh, the the fsb agents uh, that reportedly tried to uh, poison him ah, and trying yeah. to get as much info out of them as possible and you're just sitting there and you're and you're not sure whether to to cry or laugh. Like it's it's, it's, it's surreal, tragic, and like it, tragic and comic at the same time. Right. But like uh, he did manage to like talk a guy into giving him confidential information. Unbelievable. Right? Was, yeah, so he yeah. couldn't get any of the uh, the muscle guys. Right. He gets a scientist on the line, and the guy just yeah lets everything sings like a, like a <laughs> canary. Unreal. <laughs> Yeah, I need to watch it, actually. I've heard about that, but haven't actually yeah. seen it. Yeah. But uh, so everything, everywhere all at once, we we think it's it's not a huge surprise. And actually, that was that was part of the narrative in the run up to these awards. Were there any other surprises from from uh, Sunday night? Look, I think um, Banshee's not getting much love. Uh, I, I really like that movie and I know they campaigned very hard. Uh, mm. I know Colin Farrell was all over the place in, in the months leading up to the to the film coming out and he doesn't really like that side of Hollywood from, from yeah. my understanding. Mm. Uh, so I think he, he played nice on uh, on Sunday, gentlemen, but he was probably quite annoyed. Um, I think so. Yeah. I think, and it's a shame in a way. It's it's one of those times, like many times before, where you always have to ask, "What if?" Like, if if there was no everything everywhere, would this have just been an absolute sweep for Banshees? Like uh, all the acting categories, everything, because they had nominees in everything, right. in every in every section, pretty much. It's just a shame because it is a. I think it's a great movie, a great representation of Ireland. It's been like an amazing year seeing the nominations come in, not just for that film, but also Paul Mescal in After Sun, who the future. Walked, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you can always say that as well with these young actors where it's like yeah they'll they'll be back I'm, I'm sure sooner or later but still i think it's uh it's a shame to have come away with basically nothing also when colleen yeah. kuhn the quiet girl for short film was uh, or for international film was not uh not recognized either Who took international 
uh, all quiet West on the West Front. Yeah, yeah. Which okay, fair yeah. enough. Of course, if anyone was going to take it, it should probably be that. But uh, on Colin Kuhn, it's just a lovely film. Ninety minutes, easy watch, amazingly made, beautiful cinematography. It's in Irish all the way through, which for me was like a, a properly significant. Not Irish, Irish listeners. Yeah, please. Actually, that's a good uh, hot tip for anyone. Uh, we, we do tend to call it Irish in Ireland, not Gaelic or, or anything like that. But uh, yeah. So there you go. Jeez. There uh, we go. 2023 Oscars. Yeah. And just one one last shout out uh, about these 2023 Oscars to my guys, Spike Lee and Denzel Washington, who instead <laughs> of attending the Oscars, went to a Los Angeles Lakers game. And probably had a better time, to be fair. Certainly. <laughs> Absolutely. They uh, They know what they like and they do not like... Driving Miss Daisy or a oh. green book, that's for sure. Well, neither. No. Yeah, <laughs> equally. Uh, oh, respect equally to Spike. Um, truly one of the the most unsung heroes of the industry, in my opinion. Absolutely. And he's kind of burned his bridges a little bit, it seems, by some of his comments over the last year. So maybe we, that's, we won't be seeing much of him in the, in the limelight these no. days. But then again, what a guy. We love Could him. be an opportunity uh, to become a pundit on the BBC. Or in Lost in Postulation, for oh. that matter. Spike. Not if you're listening, but when you're tuning in in mm. a couple of days. Mm. Just have your people reach out to ours. It's at impostulation at twitter.com. <laughs> don't, uh, don't hesitate. Spike Lee, ladies and gentlemen. Um, any any final takeaways on uh, on this year's Oscars for me? Not on... The, I, like, we have a lot to talk about with regard to the Oscars generally. Yeah. So I yeah. don't have too much more on this year's. I mean, it's... Um, it's interesting that this was a year where if you bet money on all the favorites, you would have made money. Um, right. For the past few years, actually. Vegas. The, yeah, I've, for the last few years, you would have lost money every year uh, by doing that. There's been an upset in some categories every year. Right. And particularly Best Picture over the, over the last few years. So in that sense, a bit of a boring Oscars. But what I did see is that the viewership was up versus last year. So right. it seems like they're, they're, uh, they're not going the way of the Dodo just yet. Right. But that's all I have. Well, there you go. There you go. And no slaps to be thrown this year either. So Sadly. What we were thinking for this episode is uh, we became quite curious in the lead up to the Oscars about, you know, what's what's actually all of this uh, coming from, right? Um, because what we what we started to notice, what started to become abundantly clear uh, is that the Oscars are actually a lot more about business and politics than about the actual craft, right? 100%. And when you start peeling back the layers of the onion, what you find out is um, when the Oscars uh, originally started, they weren't yet the Oscars, but the Academy Awards, uh, they started actually as a response from the studios to organized labor, to unions, right? Yeah. So essentially what they did as there was more and more chatter about uh, you know, screenwriters, actors, actresses, directors forming unions, uh, they essentially created these awards uh, because everyone likes and deserves recognition, right? Uh, with the caveat that if you were part of organized labor, you couldn't participate. It's just so jaw-dropping that they got away with that because it's it's the type of thing that That's today... The 20s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. if you imagine dropping that today, the absolute nightmare they would get from a PR standpoint like the industry would get it's unheard of and of course the union the, the industry itself now very heavily unionized the Screen Actors Guild Absolutely. and others like it so like uh, it hasn't really worked in its in its core uh, in its core aim but then again just the the, the brazenness of it is uh, you have to just respect it if nothing else Absolutely it's, it's and, and ironically many years later do you know who was one of the presidents of the unions that ended up no. being 
Ronald Reagan himself. Oh, oh yeah. The actor? Yeah. <laughs> the actor, Ronald Jeez. Reagan. It's morning again in America. Oh, yeah. Um, so, having said that, what basically what ends up happening, they start giving out these awards, they have a few gaffes, they start making it more dramatic by having the envelopes, not revealing what happens, mm. and... Uh, they really start to become, one, an event, and two, uh, a validation and a thing. Mm. To which the studios who set them up start see- start seeing an opportunity to maximize their profits because awarded films uh, provide for a better ROI on, let's keep in mind, what are always very risky investments. Yeah. Especially when we're talking about making big budget films. And so it's kind of this virtuous or vicious, uh, interpret it how you will, cycle where uh, they they give more and more attention to these awards. They make them bigger and bigger because it can help secure future success while also uh, not being bound to unions. Right. So the studios here, the creators, but also, you know, the winners. Uh, of these awards. Um, so it becomes, you know, this certification for, for the studios uh, because it is a serious indicator for talent. Talent sees those are the studios winning the awards. It gives me a better chance to get an award myself if I go and collaborate uh, with that studio, right? So that's that's quite obvious. And though also it's a serious indicator for uh, for viewers, as said, because what the data shows already from way back there is that we're much more likely to watch something that has won an award or at least be nominated. 100%. It's right back into like evolutionary biology tribe theory where it's like, if we see other people like something, we're going to really try and like it. Absolutely. Un- unfortunately. And, yeah. it's, and it's always funny with something that is actually so subjective, mm. like art, a film, wine, right? Where... You can love uh, a film and know just about uh, as much about cinema as me, mm. and I can totally hate it, and nobody is right or wrong. But because of that, we need to simplify things, and we need someone to make it seem objective, hence the award. I agree to an, to like 90% of the way mm. with you. The only point I suppose to make is there is also some objectivity to film where it's like, this is just bad. Like this is not like there are films that are right. badly made, and I do also think there is like a realm of goodness that you can point to and not really disagree with. Where it's you, you kind of have to say this is well shot, directed, edited, written, whatever. I do think there are some factors that are not totally debatable. With but I'm not saying that it's like right. I'm not saying we all have to love the same thing. But I do like how the Oscars, at least for me, gives me a shortcut to knowing stuff that's broadly good. Like nothing is going to be absolutely dire. They narrow it down for you. And I think we know a bad, horrible movie when we see one. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a very different thing to what is a great film versus a good one. Right. And I think that's where where it becomes subjective. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Yeah. So basically... um, let let's just dive into some of this data because then you'll you'll see what what ends up happening from from the 80s and 90s onwards so an actor can have more than a 20% boost on average for their next pay package if they take home a golden statuette uh, or have been nominated for one is that that's is that reasoned or, or historical? Like, that's historical. Yeah, because I feel like it's probably now it's even uh, more. way more. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like for the for example, Paul Mesco, right? Relatively unknown Irish actor who now has taken away a Best Actor nomination. He can just name his price, I think, from here. I think so. He absolutely. can pick his project and just say, I'll do it for this much and 
him and Austin Butler are going to be yeah. do, be able to do that for the next 25 years. Exactly. It's like a, in many ways a lottery. It's like a golden ticket. This yeah. uh, this thing. Yeah. yeah. So twenty twenty percent to me yeah. is like undercalling it dramatically. Probably. Well, and any increase stays with you. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. That's, also, yeah, so yeah. it's relentlessly cumulative, as Jim McVitie would say. It is until it isn't, though, because look at Brendan Fraser, look at Kay, who until like, you're out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Suddenly, the industry just says, "Yeah, we don't like you anymore," and then forget about that paycheck. Like the mummy, let's say. You know, I don't yeah. think he was getting the mummy style paychecks for the last uh, 10, 15 years. No, and also not for the whale. I mean, it's an A twenty four production. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. He may never see those numbers yeah. again. In fact, although he has been very vocal, just to jump back to the present day, he has said that he's well up for doing another mummy movie. So yeah. let's see. But uh, <laughs> let's see. Yeah. And uh, a more than two hundred percent earnings boost for just nominated films. I love that. I think that's that's more reasonable. Like yeah. you're basically tripling your you're tripling your your was it revenue or profits here? Sorry, earnings. Yeah, earnings, profits. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not at all. Bottom surprised. line. It's just uh, with great power comes great responsibility, though. And like, look what you can do to somebody's life to to a, like the producer's life if they end up getting nominated on a you know, on a whim. It seems almost. It's uh, it's crazy. It's life changing yeah. stuff to hear. So this, in light of yeah. that, what ends up happening if you're running a studio? it starts to become all about campaigning. Yeah. And that becomes more prevalent than critiquing. It's like in a lot of, you know, political elections, it's not so much about the substance of your policy proposals, mm-hmm. it's about your powers of persuasion. Unbelievable. This part is so great to me. Like it's that's the part that I don't have an image in my mind of what's what it is really, like this campaigning as such. I know that they go on talk shows and the actors right. show up and stuff. That's part of it. But I'm sure there's a lot of other, you know, behind closed doors oh, campaigning. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any like insight into what that is? Or? Well, there's a lot about parties glad ha- glad handing returning favors. Uh some of the most classic examples are the monster of a man, Harry Weinstein, for mm-hmm. Miramax in the nineties, uh, where you saw Shakespeare in Love win an Oscar, which which it definitely shouldn't have. And what what they put that down to in the industry is that it was so much down to the campaigning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it beat Life is Beautiful and Saving Private Ryan, which it had no business in doing. But basically what they did, it was they made a movie, they produced it, it came out. And in the meantime, between when it came out and when that Oscars nomination list came out mm-hmm. and then when it was Oscars night, They did everything they possibly could, ad buys, influencing the voters. And I think a big part of it is a lot of the voters are just like, hit me with it. Mm. They're not coming in with any principle of I'm going to vote for a movie that's like this or that. So Mm. it kind of, it feeds the beast in a way. It is eerily reminiscent of the FIFA stuff with the World Cup, right? It's it's that kind of uh, level we're talking here. I mean, you don't want to call it outright corruption, but then again, it's like... Favors for favors, you know, right. it, it feels a little bit icky to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, on the other hand, we should be happy that, you know, the nominees are usually still good movies, right? Mm-hmm. But then it's uh, it's an absolute, uh, you know, it's, it's sausage making from there. It's open season. Yeah. Although, like, if I was to compare what parts of this whole world I have problems with, the campaigning part is my only my second least favorite part of it. My number one least favorite part is the part that comes before that, which is the actual conceptual Oscar bait process. Right. When you, when I imagine some production company or, or group or studio or whatever sits in a room and goes, I'll tell you what's really going to give us the Oscar, war movies. Or like, you know, they, they start to, the creative process starts to be funneled down the tube of what's going to get us an Oscar here. And 
to to be to to punch a little bit my new favorite punching bag the fablemans is exactly that type of movie where i, I honestly it winds me up i'm getting annoyed just talking about it that. the freaking fablemans where every scene you're like they you can just see spielberg in his head being like oh i'm so getting an oscar for this like it's it's all just like pure isn't this so emotional isn't this so moving guys aren't you aren't you feeling really sad now oh isn't it sad how i got bullied in school like or steven i mean i don't feel any sympathy for steven he's he's doing fine okay like (laughs) i'm sure he had a he did have a difficult childhood yeah it's it's sad if your parents divorced but like okay don't make a, a movie about it and then expect an oscar for it because no it is a terrible movie sorry i hated it but uh didn't mean to dump on the on the fablements too hard there but the point was more that that movie and many more like it are guilty of not so much the the campaigning part which i i can take or leave but also just from the word go basically from the start they seem interested only in making a film that's more likely to be voted for uh, various oscars right which, I really have a problem with and that isn't necessarily always good for creativity sometimes it is when you you gauge the polls that uh, they want something different at the oscars as i think it was this year probably 100 uh, percent. but on the other side of the coin it actually reminds me of season five of the wire mm. where mm. journalism becomes all about what's going to win us a pulitzer and you know not 100%. so much around following the beat and reporting and uh and and necessarily you know the the tricky investigative yeah. part of it so yeah, it's unfortunate, but I get the economics of it. And okay, would that's I, the driver. Yeah, and would I rather have an Oscar Beatty movie like The Fablemans or another sequel to a Marvel franchise? Both are relatively low risk investments. I think I would rather have The Fablemans there because, like, mm-hmm. the last thing I need is just another sequel, basically, right. to, to things that are going to make money but just aren't going to be interesting at all. But neither are great, really. Yeah. And so that's a bit, you know, diving back into into the history and seeing what it is, then the, the natural next place to go is how often do they actually get it right? And the litmus test for this for me is looking back at previous Oscars, uh, at no- nominations lists, talking about best picture here, mm. and seeing which ones are we still talking about today and which ones that maybe won that just aren't on our radar at all. Yeah, I mean... There are some incredibly egregious examples who won Best Picture. I'm looking forward to getting into them because it genuinely beggars belief, some of these. But do you have one in particular that uh, well, the, you, you want to throw out? The classic one is like, not that it's bad, actually, but just that it had zero impact on our, on us, which was the artist, really. That the, the, like the artist... <laughs> I knew you were going to go. Yeah, yeah. 2011. Yeah. So the artist like was an amazing concept at the time and people flocked to it actually it, it in the list of like lowest grossing uh best picture winners it's actually relatively low down like it, it, right. did, it did pretty well at the box office but it seems like everyone just like got collective amnesia about that film and it never ever ever comes up in any conversation i've never met a person who said oh do you know what my favorite film is the artist like it seems to even people who saw it and liked it forgot about it instantly yeah and it won best picture and then everyone patted themselves on the back for giving best picture to a silent movie and then uh straight on to and uh, again it was up against movies like moneyball which we still talk about all the time i think aaron sorkin script i mentioned it even proactively in the in the everest episode he gets on base exactly so like that is a movie that has had an impact and of course no it didn't win best picture but geez the artist like so bad but what i've done now is i've jumped straight to uh, a more recent example and there's plenty from history too but uh, are there any that you in particular wanted to call out well while we're there you know in the in the recent past uh, i think we can already evaluate 2009 
The Hurt Locker mm. beat out Inglorious Bastards. That's Quentin Tarantino's masterpiece. That's a that's a head scratcher, that one. Especially like, for this podcast. The only thing you can say positively, though, about The Hurt Locker is that it was the first female winner. Uh, first female director to win Best Picture. Right. Catherine Bigelow. Right. So... It, but did she win Best Director? No, I don't think so. Okay. It was... I th- I'd have to actually double yeah, check. Yeah, we'd have to check that. I'm but, saying it with some yeah. certainty, but maybe we should double check. But in any case, what we can say for sure is she, she was the director who won Best Picture for The Hurt Locker, right? And Inglorious Bastards, we've talked about. I love it. Absolutely, you do it too. Absolutely. We think it's... Gets better. Gets better every watch. It does. We, we love the work of Christoph Waltz in that film, <laughs> as we've talked about in episode six. Go back to that one, and listener, if you haven't. It's, uh, it might uh, intrigue Especially you. Especially Austrian listeners. Yeah, definitely. Definitely check it out. But that aside, I, I saw The Hurt Locker and thought it was like extremely meh and just forgettable and average. I never watched it again. Yeah, oh, I, I never will. Sure, but. I think it was cool. In the, I like any movie that gives you an insight into something you otherwise don't know about. So Bomb Disposal, it's like an interesting thing you know but it it builds up in the classic hollywood way to the big oh is he gonna explode finale and you know very uh very predictable movie but glad to see it was it was a stepping stone in that sense of like we had the first we had parasite winning which was the first international film to win and i think the hurt locker falls into that same history of being the first something something you know okay the the first uh a potential watershed moment yeah but not necessarily about the film not about the film at all and certainly not a deserving winner of best picture no should we, uh, do you want to introduce your favorite from 2005? 2005 is, uh, what a stacked year. So before, before we talk about the C word and get into it, like Brokeback Mountain, which we have to remember it was 2005, you know, yeah. like I know it seems reason enough, but this was a very different time. Like I was 14, 15, where at that point that movie came out and was a big old joke for for everyone of that age. 14, 15. Gay Cowboys, hilarious, you know. And that movie still, because of how well it was made, how sensitively it was made by by Ang Lee, the music is incredible for it, the acting phenomenal, the story brilliant. Like there's so much you can love about it and it works all the way. Star-studded too. Star-studded, of course, and brilliant performances from Jake and from our man, from Heath. Heath Ledger. Who put in out. one of his best performances of his career. But Anne Hathaway. And yeah, also. And uh, Michelle Williams. Michelle S- Williams. Sneaking in in the background there, yeah. Unreal. Still putting in great performances to this date. The Fableman's notwithstanding. But uh, I think the point is there, there you have a best picture, a deserving best picture winner. And it garnered a lot. The Oscars garnered a lot of critique for not giving it to, to right. Brokeback. Because honestly, the only argument you have left is are you guys just homophobic? Like, can, can, do you, do you not, are you not okay with this subject matter? Because there's and no... probably at the time, they weren't this is what I'm as saying. okay with it. I think that's, that's what I'm getting at, is like, if, if Brokeback Mountain came out today, I think it would just be a lock. Like, it would just be an instant win. Well, like, what they say is they corrected for the Brokeback Mountain snub, and this really isn't how the Oscar should work, but mm-hmm. it is by awarding Moonlight, Moonlight yeah. the Oscar. That's unfortunate, because a Moonlight, speaking like... Uh, like the artist, Moonlight again is one of those films that wh- who's talking about Moonlight really? Oh. Like, has anyone excitedly told you, oh, do you know what you have to watch? You know, like, exactly. never. Um, so, Brokeback Mountain, obviously the deserving winner, but Capote at the same time, same year, equally deserving, you could say. PSH, man, rest now, in peace. Yeah. Also. Talk of a guy you can go to YouTube and just Google him and watch any clip from any movie, even bad movies that he was in. Uh, Harvey Wilson's War I think he was in or like he's he's, yeah, yeah. he's done these like bit parts where he just smashes it like he never doesn't he never misses basically even in Talented Mr. Ripley he yeah. was just this absolute dick of a guy and he was fantastic yeah. I think 
we or if you go way back he was in scent of a woman mm. yeah yeah he he's was one of the kids in this. i mean philip seymour hoffman i think we lost what i'm gonna say what could have been the best actor of his generation yeah, it is just got w- taken way too soon he I probably had yeah he had 40 more years of, of films in him potentially or, or something along Absolutely. those lines right 30 let's say i mean so but, talented my god yeah and even in the in the kind of action movies mission impossible 3 he does an unbelievable job he's yeah. just like everything he's in he's, he's absolutely smashed it. so there you go another person who could have carried his movie to best picture success were it not for crash just what happened like what unbelievable is there did we did did the world ever get to the bottom of like what happened how did this happen how did this film win i think it was from from a thematic perspective uh, that it won because it it touched a bit at a time when Hollywood wasn't getting as much into it on race relations, mm. uh, but it didn't do a very good job of that either. Horrific I think job. there's plenty of films even before that that did a did a much better job. I mean, give give Spike four Oscars before before you yeah. do that, right? Mm. Um, no, but watched it once, never went back. I mean, uh, Ludacris is in it. Yeah, he's not an actor. I mean, like, not Ludacris, but yeah. he's not an actor. Yeah. Uh, it's a horrific movie and it's so bad that i can't even say why it's bad in a way because i watched it once hated it and have kind of deleted it from my memory since but i'm still confident enough to say that it's an absolutely dreadful film all i all i can really remember about it is that the film spends two hours just saying racism is bad and then shows you that 10 different ways and then goes isn't that sad and then in the end the white guy saves the day and it's all good like it's it's very quite quite bad uh, as films go yeah. and the fact that it won best picture is just be- it beggars belief honestly but uh here we are so i think your question was do they do they get it right the answer is no they they honestly off, often don't and i think that's okay once you accept that because right to me where the oscars are more handy and, and more interesting to me is the nominees list actually that even even just to look at the nominated films for best picture you can be pretty sure that if you go to see one of those, you're not gonna you're not gonna feel like it was a wasted evening or right. uh, or a wasted trip to the cinema or whatever. And that's probably where where I most highly value the Oscars. Actually, when it comes to the winners and losers, I'm like, well, whatever, you know. Like right. you guys pick whatever, but uh, I'm happy. Yeah, we give it a lot less importance, I think. For example, than when I was a kid, I I was genuinely like, that one won the Oscar. Yeah. Oh my god, right? Whereas now it's kind of like. Give me the nominees list. I'm gonna watch them, and I'm not really gonna watch the show. No, oh, I right. never have. I have never watched them live. Never probably will. Like I, I googled the results after, and I'm, right. I'm happy with that. Yeah, and you know, having said that, I'm just gonna throw in one last one of these out there because, or else the listeners will come for us. 1990, Kevin Costner's <laughs> Dances with Wolves beats Goodfellas. Goodfellas, Neil. How is that possible? Goodfellas. And didn't didn't Joe Pesci win Best Supporting Actor for a good... F- no, am I confusing Did with something for that or Casino? Well, anyways, mm. it didn't win Best Picture. That's just outrageous, though. Yeah. And I, I wish I had seen Dances with Wolves so I could give a, a proper informed take on this, but... It's not a bad movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's... But Goodfellas is iconic. Yeah. I rewatch it every year, basically. Something about... I don't... Uh, there must be something political here or making a stance against organized crime or something like there must be something more to this than just pure merit. You know? It was the, uh, like in Sopranos, the, uh, the Italian American anti-defamation league. Yes. In. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Tony, Tony wouldn't have stood for that. I'll tell you. <laughs> no, definitely not. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so we've talked there now when we talk about, you know, what are your favorite films? What are great films, etc. cetera? Uh, you know, we often, the 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 implicit assumption is that 
truly great films age well, right? Like a like a great wine, if you will. I'm not really a wine drinker, but you know mm. that's mm. what you. You hear. understand that that's. Uh, <laughs> I understand that that's yeah. what you should. You always hear that was a great year. Yeah, for wine, yeah, right? A vintage, but yeah. you don't hear that in the year it happens, right? Because it. It's too soon. Yeah, yeah. it's too soon. Um, so here's my postulation, and here's my proposal to you. What if we awarded the Oscars for Best Picture uh, for a given year with a five or even 10-year delay? Would the winners be different? Would campaigning be less or more important? And would some things that won previously maybe not even get nominated? It's a phenomenal question, actually. And it's funny how... I can already see the, like, I can say exactly why it would never work. You know, unfortunately, sadly, is that it's too smart an idea. This is too clever. Like, your idea requires too much intelligent people to be involved in, in the Oscars for that to work. Because just think about and it. And it's like, probably not as lucrative. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, zero. Like, there's no, it's too logical. It's too sensible for the Oscars to do it because there's not enough money behind it. There's not, that isn't going to, you know, pay for somebody's next house in, in the Hollywood Hills. So it's not going to work, right? It's an amazing idea, I think. The only downside, I suppose, is that we, the films that stay relevant are sometimes because they're very, very good and sometimes because they kind of tap into some kind of meme potential or some aspect of pop culture that it just happens to align with. Mm -hmm. A bit like how we talked about in the One Hit Wonders episode, sometimes things last not because they're particularly great, just because they come along at a time when we're interested in that particular mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So I think the only issue is if we were to say award for 10 years ago, so we'd be back in whatever, it is. I don't have the list in front of me, but if we were to, to look at the, the 2013 Oscars and then pick the winner, it's likely, I see you're going to potentially pull them up. Let's see. Let's but, do it. Yeah. But it's likely, my, my postulation there is that the films that we think about and, and say, oh, that one really lasted the test of time. It isn't necessarily because it's just great or enjoyable. It may just be because it's more relevant now than it was then, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I do know what you mean. I'm going to bring these up here now, uh, and you're going to uh, going to award Best Picture. Okay, let's do it. So here are your nominees. I'm not going to say who won, but I think you know who won. Mm -hmm. Amour, Beasts of the Southern Wild, Django Unchained, Les Miserables, Life of Pi, Lincoln, Silver Linings Playbook, Zero Dark Thirty, and Argo. Oh. That's a terrible year. Sorry, that yeah, it wasn't great. That's pretty dreadful, honestly. I would give, and I, I, I've even said on this podcast, I'm not a fan of Django, but I would give it to Django in that in that list because mm. Argo is just an absolute disaster. I'm surprised. You really didn't like Argo. I hated huh? it for the same reason I hate the Fablemans. Just it's like pure, like let's go America, woohoo, firing my AK into the air, you know, like just just. Or I suppose it should be AR but rather than well, NAK, but yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah, well, I do know what you mean, because I was in Cincinnati, Ohio, when I went to see Argo, mm. and at the end of the of the film, everyone stood up and clapped. Zero percent surprised by that. The and same thing happened for Top Gun Maverick. I'm sure it did. Point. I'm sure it did. You can see there's a trend coming out here. And I'm not anti-American, by the way. I loved, loved the country, loved its culture even, but I just don't particularly like this this particularly cynical approach to filmmaking, which is like basically propaganda. And if we're going to talk about propaganda, it, when we talk about, say, China or Russia, I think we should equally talk about propaganda about the US because films like Top Gun are propaganda, basically. They're, they are, like, 
if if you're gonna yeah, yeah. tie them by the same brush, you well, know, recruitment so like, for the Navy after the original Top Gun skyrocketed. Like exactly, there's there's exactly. numbers on that. And if we're okay with that, then so is Argo, right? That like Argo is a, a, a savior piece for America, where it paints the Americans in a much more favorable light than I think was was truly the case, and that Canada had an equally important role to play in that operation in Iran. But uh, apparently, uh, that that's not how the film turns out. And it's uh, anyway, not to get too much into Argo. That wasn't the point of this exercise. No. But I think the, the what is the point here is Django of that list is the one that clearly stands the test of time and has remained way more influential than Zero Dark Thirty, than Argo, than uh, any of the others from that. Even Silver Linings Playbook, I think, kind of fell mm. off the face of the earth a little bit. I liked Life of Pi, angly. Heartwarming <laughs> film. I'm not saying best picture, but I'm just heartwarming. I think it, it was badly timed or something, or it, yeah. we, we weren't ready for it, you know? It's a great book, I think, uh, if, if I remember right. Yes. But, yeah, but it just wasn't, uh, we weren't ready for it, I think. Or we, weren't, uh, we weren't interested right then. Yeah. Well. Thanks for indulging me uh, mm. in that little experiment. Um, but Neil, why do we still care? Why do we still do an entire episode about these Oscars? Uh, and why are we going to do it again next year? Well, I think it all comes back to what we said at the start for me. It's not about the winners. It's about the nominees. Mm. And for me and for many people, what the Oscar serves as is simply a shortcut. That's it. In, these, in this day and age now, when our attention is being fought over by myriad sources within our phones, within our, our lives, we just don't have time to be experts on every single film that comes out. We need reviews. We need, we need things like that. Yep. And the Oscars is like reviews of the reviews, basically. It's like rounding up the good films. And I've now watched, as, as between us, we've watched, I think, most of the Best Picture nominees, as we said. Yep. And I don't think any of them, apart from the Fablemans in my case, were like a regretted experience. Like we've enjoyed, no. I think, all of them to a certain extent. Yeah. Except you hated everything everywhere. But or yeah, but even it, but there, I'm like, hmm, should I give yeah. it another chance because so many people saw something in yeah. it and I didn't? Right. And so. also, good art can also be argued to make you feel something, and you felt something there too. It was just very, very negative. I like, did also during the whale on Sunday. Yeah, like that was yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. another emotional uh, piece, emotional. right? So I think. I, I'm never going to be the person who sees every single film that comes out and you know has an opinion right. on all of them. I, when I do go to watch a film, I want it to be something good. And for that reason, I really appreciate the Oscars because it gives me a chance to just narrow down the field, pick something that I know is going to be reasonably good and also important, become part of the conversation about these films. Like take part in the, and, and read what other people have thought about it and form my own opinion on it. But I think for that reason, I'm a fan of the Oscars actually, that despite all of the negative parts that we've mentioned in this episode, and actually we've been pretty, you know, we've been pretty harsh or let's just say at least fair on the Oscars. Yeah. But um, I still think all that said, they're a worthwhile thing and I don't love it. I don't necessarily love celebrity culture generally, but I do think they have a, a positive role to play in, in my understanding of film. Yeah, so net positive from your perspective. Exactly. I think, look, ultimately, um, one thing is that I think recognition, validation, celebrating masters of their craft, I think that's that's a must. So we need something, you know, like we also have uh, in, in, in sports, we have MVP awards, we have, you know, Ballon d'Or awards, whatever. Mm. So we need something to celebrate the achievement. Now, is it imperfect the way it is now? Absolutely. Uh, but still, I'll leave you with this. There is nothing, for better or worse, that is more influential to the movie-going experience and to our understanding of Hollywood than the Oscars. 100%. Have to agree. That's it. I mean, there is nothing. I mean, what even comes close awards-wise? I know we have the, the EGOTs, you know, between the Emmys and the Golden Globes and the Oscars and whatever, but... 
I do think the Oscars just has that little extra special space in the average person's mind, you know, in their awareness. And it's interesting you use the word Hollywood there at the end, by the way, because one of the interesting directions the Oscars have taken recently is to look a bit more internationally. And True. that does go beyond Hollywood. But I think you you use the word judiciously in the sense that it is still very much an inward looking beast, right? That Absolutely. They're here to celebrate themselves and they will do a damn good job of it, first and foremost. The films do it too. Films like Babylon, uh, even The Fablemans, is like a celebration of, hey, look how great we are, Hollywood. Even you know? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, you have to right. give it to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's still a very Tarantino-y film, but it is still also introspective to that extent. Yeah. But all of that aside, I think we can easily level a lot of complaints at the Oscars as we have done, but I think you and I agree, actually, that for better or worse, they're here to stay, they're relevant, and uh, they do matter. Exactly, exactly. And uh, to uh, the listener that's still here and uh, saying, couldn't they have just uh, led with that 40 minutes ago? (laughs) The answer is no. It's a journey. It's about the journey. (laughs) Exactly. It's the postulative journey. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back with another quiz extravaganza. Welcome back, listeners. Here we are, and we are going to end this episode with our first ever head-to-head quiz showdown. This will be a duel where we will both attempt to uh, answer each other's questions and hopefully not get embarrassed. I like this new format. Previous quizzes have led to my utter embarrassment, so I like how we get to uh, share the load here. This is uh, this is good. I like this. And did you come prepared? As prepared as uh, as I could be, I'm I'm not in the, I'm not like one of these gotcha quiz makers who like makes questions that have a possible right answer, but then it's it's actually wrong. You know, like these are right. all fair questions, I think. So I don't feel like I'm gonna be unfair to you here. All right. I hope you can say the same. Okay. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Um, do you want to lead with the first question of this Oscars quiz extravaganza? Yeah. I think so. Uh, the first one is a numbers uh, numbers question. So, what is the record? for the most Academy Awards won by a single movie. And I'm asking for the number here, and it's multiple choice, so you get a, get a shot okay. here. Is it A, 11, B, 14, C, 17, or D, 21? It is A, 11, Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Now, interesting, I wasn't asking for any movies. Great that you mentioned that one, but there's actually uh, two others. And those are Ben-Hur and Titanic, Yeah, funny enough. So uh, that was my question one. Correct answer for you, sir. So give yourself a point. There it is. First point down. Now, Neil, to match me. Italy is the country with the most wins for best international foreign film feature with Mm. 14. Which country can lay claim to second place with 12? Now, you have multiple choice. Okay. A, Spain. B, France. C, Germany or D, South Korea? Oh, was it wins or nominations, by the way? This is wins. Italy with 14 and in second place with 12. I think it's got to be France. Is that your final answer? Yeah. You lock lock it in? Lock it in. France with 12 is correct. (laughs) One for one. Had me going with South Korea there for a sec. I was uh, a little bit worried. But, and you already, uh, you got, no matter what, you'll have one out of five, right? That's a passing grade in Ireland. No, 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 not quite. Not quite. <laughs> 40 is the passing grade. Okay. So once I hit two, then we're talking. <laughs> then we're talking. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's jump straight into question two for you, sir. And it's a follow-up from the previous question. So we talked about Ben-Hur, Return of the King, and Titanic. So interestingly, all of those films did win 11 uh, Academy Awards, as you, as you correctly identified. But of those three, 
Which film had the most nominations? Ooh. Well, you would you would think it's the newer ones because there's more and more categories. Um, so that would rule out Ben-Hur because I would say uh, Lord of the Rings and Titanic are like at a five-year interval. I want to say like Titanic was really, really a milestone uh, and that was nominated uh, the most times. That is correct, sir. Oh. Now, it is an interesting one. They're very close. So Titanic was 14, Ben-Hur was 12 and Return of the King has the notable achievement of winning every award it was nominated. 11, 11 from 11. 11 Clean from sweep. 11. Clean sweep. They literally couldn't have done better if they tried. It's unreal. Now, what's, what is interesting as I was making this was like, which is the, which is the more successful film there? Is Titanic or, or Lord of the Rings, right? Would you rather be nominated for 14 and win 11 or be nominated for 11 and win 11? That is the question. Now, well, th- that is not a quiz question and we'll move on, but uh, <laughs> it is uh, just an interesting reflection nonetheless. Wow, that's unbelievable. I wonder if we'll ever get there again. I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah. Well, two to one, but you have your second question coming up. Sure do. You ready? I think so. This is not multiple choice. Damn. Name me three actresses that have won Best Supporting Actress, not including this year's winner, Jamie Lee Curtis. All right. All time. You have the full list there, yeah? Yeah, I have uh, an extensive list, and then uh, if we mm. need to check, we need to check. But I think I have all the ones that you would know. Now, it's one of those situations where, because there's so many answers, your mind just goes completely uh, right. completely blank. Best supporting actress. Not including Jamie Lee Curtis. That would have been a nice uh, freebie. I feel that Judy Dench has won it. Dame Judy Dench has won it. Mm-hmm. So that's one. I also feel that Margot Robbie might have. No. Mm, Anne Hathaway has. Let's check. Anne Hathaway has won it. I just need one on. more. One more. Gee, it's actually hard because yeah. it, it, there's so many. So you're just like, where do I even start? Um. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Literally name an actress. Uh, can I can I lock in Margot Robbie? Yeah, pretty sure actually from uh, from Quentin Tarantino's uh, movie. Yeah, let, let's lock in uh, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie for Once Upon a Time. No, no, I don't have Margot Robbie. What? I don't have Margot Robbie on the list. We can run a quick check with our no, friends. Sh- you might be at right. At the Academy here. I may have a, a black hole in my mind where... I think she's certainly been nominated. But... Margot Robbie... No. Has never won an Oscar. God for damn. Best Supporting Actress. She's like she received two of... Academy Award nominations. Yeah. One for Best Actress in I, Tonya. Mm. And another for Best Supporting Actress yeah. in Bombshell. But nothing Not for in... a Quentin Tarantino. Oh one. my God. Sorry. That's... Uh, wow. Really showing my, uh, my ignorance there. Wow. Jeez. But you did well. You got two. You know what? I think you deserve half that's a point. That's a passing grade in Ireland. Should yes. we give you half a point? I think oh, I'll take a half. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's more than fair. Plus a half. Um, do you want to know some of yeah, the other throw, options? These are the type that you'll just, I'll be kicking I mean, myself. Yeah. That you would know mm. Maggie Smith, yeah. Whoopi Goldberg, mm. Penelope Cruz, Renee Zellweger, Zellweger Kate Blanchett, Catherine Zeta Jones, oh, Jennifer Connolly, Angelina mm. Jolie, Meryl Streep. You see, I, I didn't want to say the big names like Meryl or, or Kate right. because I was like, maybe they actually haven't, you know? Right, they jump straight I to I wanted to go for, for supporting, but then it's actually very hard. Jeez, but uh, good question all the same. Yeah. 
the the Oscars seem to really be a pay your dues thing mm. to where they start you off with supporting yeah. and then lead. Yeah, you rarely win lead. As in, like, you to win lead, you need to have almost won supporting, it feels like. Exactly. With a few exceptions, as we've seen. Exactly. But in any case, on to your question three, which uh, is all to do with grossing films, how much they've made. Mm. Uh, which of these Best Picture winners was the lowest grossing film? So here we go. Four options. Is it Birdman? Spotlight, Crash, or The Hurt Locker? Ooh. Lowest grossing. Bias would say the older ones are higher grossing. Oh, these are adjusted, by the way. So uh, these are not like-for-like numbers. These are in today's money. Okay. So all of these are adjusted for the same amount. Yeah. I guess that's fair. My favorite film, for what it's worth, from those is Spotlight. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to say the lowest grossing was Birdman. Michael Keaton. You're not also gonna, with Michael Keaton. Lovely, love the film. Probably my favorite from this list, but no, actually, that one was the second lowest of that list. Was Spotlight the lowest? Nope. Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker by a mile was Lower the lowest. Than Crash. Get out of town. Hurt Locker seems to have like turned people away at the door because they made 17 million in total, and even the others on this list: Birdman, 45 million; Spotlight, 47 million; Crash, 69 million. So, like, Hurt Locker was truly the worst of the worst when it came to grossing Best Picture winners. Wow. And, I mean... 17 million? 17. And it wasn't a small independent film either. Wow. It, it didn't break the top five or even the top ten, I think, in its opening weekend for films. It oh, was really? truly ignored. Uh, maybe things like that didn't help it or were things like it being called The Hurt Locker, which might have turned a lot of people off. You know, and right. also it doesn't tell you anything about what the film no. really is. But in any case, geez, so you have missed that question, unfortunately. Wow. Yeah. So it's two to one and a half. Nice. So you have a chance now with this third question to take yes. the lead in the duel, Neil. Love this. In 1998, James Cameron's Titanic won Best Picture. Mm. Which plucky upstart debut screenplay took home two Oscars on that same night? One for Best Screenplay and the other for Best Supporting Actor. Now, I don't just leave you with that. Here is a tagline of okay. the film. Okay. Wildly charismatic, impossibly brilliant, totally rebellious. For the first 20 years of his life, blank had called the shots. Now he's about to meet his match. Let me know if you need repetition of the first part. Because mm. there's some clues in there. 1998. One best screenplay. Best screenplay yeah. uh, and best supporting actor. And best supporting actor. Yeah. Lucky upstart debut screenplay. I'm, I'm sure I know it, but I'm really and the really struggling. the blank. Yeah, is the name of the character. Is actually yeah, yeah and yeah. in the and title of the film. I have said a lot. Supporting actor, but not others. No other awards. Debut screenplay, 1998. Best screenplay and best supporting actor. It's tough. One of my favorite films. Can you give me the, the hint one more time? The 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 kind of tagline for the movie? The tagline? Yeah. Wildly charismatic, impossibly brilliant, totally rebellious. For the first 20 years of his life, blank has called the shots. Now he's about to meet his match. Oh. I think you get more from the first part than from the tagline. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's this is terrible audio for the listener because I wish yeah. I could get this. He's pulling his hair out. I, I literally and and metaphorically, really <laughs> wish I could get this, and it's going to really kill me. But I'm going to have to pass actually because and we just have to move on. Yeah. One of my favorite films, Goodwill Hunting. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I wasn't going to get like it. It wasn't anywhere even close. I was thinking along the lines of like. Uh, liar liar or like the matrix or like, i was just like really yeah, yeah. pulling from like the depths of my 1998 memories but no i yeah. wasn't gonna get that so. so best screenplay written by matt damon, matt damon. and ben affleck yeah. themselves wow. and best supporting actor to the late great mm. robin williams yeah, yeah 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 of course of course i'm sure a lot of listeners got that by the way so uh well done to them well done to the listeners who are probably beating us both at the moment because it's two to one and a half it sure is yeah wow i hope we pass this uh this this quiz at uh, least by Irish then exactly. Um, here's the next one for you, sir. Bit of an odd one. I'm asking for who, and I'm going to tell you it's the best actor winner. Which Oscar acceptance speech included the phrase, and I quote, "My mom, my dad, they had sex." You have four options here. Uh, that but that was said in an Oscar acceptance yeah. speech for best actor. Now and you and you know that's word for word. Yes. Okay. I've actually seen the clip. Okay. So there's another similar one that. No, no. Yeah. I can guarantee this one is uh, okay. is legit. The four options you have to choose from are number one, F. Murray Abraham, who from the White Lotus actually is a best Armand actor. Armand from yeah. the White Lotus. No, no, not Armand. F. Murray Abraham was the uh, oh no the, the granddad in Sicily in season yeah. two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's your first option. Number two, Anthony Hopkins. Number three, Daniel Kaluuya. And number four, Casey Affleck. What was the award? Uh, best actor. In a leading role? Yes. Kaluuya didn't win it. He's also too young for the Academy. I know Affleck won it. I know Hopkins won it. Uh, F. Murray Abraham. And I know Dustin Hoffman said... Thanks to my parents for procreating or whatever. Mm. Uh, but it was a bit more, you know, sophisticated. You know what? I'm going to go uh, Casey Affleck. Let's pause the process because there has been for a... Manchester by the sea. There has, well, <laughs> what I can tell you with some certainty <laughs> is that that's not the answer. What I can't tell you with any certainty... No, I'm right. I'm right. Yes. Oh, okay. This is great podcast. Yeah, we may cut. The, we may need to chop that section. So, let's get you. Let's let's cut back in here as if you uh, you just said it. So, Casey Affleck is your answer. Casey Affleck is my answer. In, Manchester by the Sea. Incorrect. Although he did put in a great performance, the correct answer is actually Daniel Kaluuya, who won Best Actor for no. Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes, in a leading role. Yes, I have it here under no, good authority. It was that year. When the Academy the- Award for Best Actor went to Daniel Kaluuya. His speech was uh, extremely long, wide-ranging, quite uh, unhinged in some right. respects. And it was very nice, most of it. And then just towards the end, he's like, guys, my mom, my dad. No, get it, out of here. It's uh, hilarious. It's on YouTube. So Daniel and, Kaluuya, good for him. I love the guy. And now I love him even more. He's a winner. Go. There you go. Well, he's a winner. And uh, and a winner in the, uh, in the speech writing uh, category as well. That is... Well, Guess who's definitely not a winner? It's us in this quiz because no. we're just thrashing each other. Exactly. We did not pull any punches. So over to you. Are you ready for your fourth question? I'm ready as I'll ever be. Yeah. I am a person. I have been nominated for three Best Picture Oscars. Sorry, for three Best Actress Oscars. Mm-hmm. And I have won all three. Okay. I won my first Academy Award in the 1990s on the same night that my husband was also awarded an Oscar for the same film. Who am I? 
Now, I think I know who this is, but her name is escaping me. Can I can I finagle my way to half a point by mentioning the movies? You can you can mention the movies and do them as yes or no questions if you want. Yeah, because I think Fargo is the movie. No? The film is Fargo, Neil. Exactly. Now, can I somehow conjure her name from my mind? Because I obviously see her in front of me. I know she won it for Nomadland and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri as well. Yes. Frances McDormand, yes. It is Frances McDormand oh. pulling that out of the bag. Ah, that was buried, a, buried wow. too deep in my, in my subconscious. And death. she is married too? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Uh, not with no M.H. Macy. No, surely not. Who who won the Oscar? Someone that directs with his brother. Joel Cohen. Yes. Fantastic. She's married to Joel Cohen. Amazing work. He did the right thing. Great for both of them. Amazing. She Speaking of acceptance speeches, she's had a good one too. Yeah. See that one? Inclusion yeah. Rider. Have you seen Unbelievable. that? Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. She's it. great. She is. Uh, and uh, yeah, shout out to the Cohen brothers from St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Delighted I got through that one, actually. That would have been quite uh, quite heartbreaking. You have taken a lead. Two and a half wow. to two. And I only have one question left. Yeah. We both I think only you'll be, have one left. I think you'll be okay at this. Well, let's see. Um, it's your lead to lose. Which of these is the only movie in this list to win both Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress? So there's been a few movies who've done that in history, but this list I'm going to read you, only one of them has done it. Now, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once has just done that, by the way. Right. So, so I, I've dig, dug a little bit into the, the other films that have done that. Oh, now. that's a great show. So here we go. Number one, Shakespeare in Love. Gwyneth. Indeed. Number two, The Fighter. Christian Bale. What, what were the two awards? Uh, best Actress and Best Supporting Actress. So the two female categories okay. for acting. Number three, Million Dollar Baby. And speaking of three billboards, number four, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, look, I mean, what was the first one? First was Shakespeare in Love. I can only remember Gwyneth from Shakespeare in Love. From The Fighter, I know... I'm quite certain Laura Dern won it for Best Supporting, and I want to say maybe Amy Adams won it for Best Actress. If I would get that right, that would be a great shout. Certainly they were both nominated. I don't think Amy Adams has ever won an Oscar, so I'm going to take that one out. Um, and then uh, short-term memory last year. Uh, million, do- million Dollar Baby, next. Hilary Swank. Indeed. I know that, but don't remember anybody else. And then Three Billboards, the last one. Look, Francis McDormand, but I don't remember anybody else. Process of elimination, coin toss. Uh, I'm going to go with three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Mississippi? Missouri? Missouri. 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 Misery. Misery for you, sir, because that is the wrong answer. I, I didn't even see that film. It's good. It's one of the better Martin McDonough's, actually. Yeah. Oh, I really? liked it. Yeah. Martin McDonough. Yeah. Banshees of uh, Inishirin, uh man uh-huh. himself. But uh, unfortunately, it was Shakespeare in Love, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Judy Dench, who I mentioned in your question for uh, supporting actresses. Ah. So, in fact, you did have a chance to catch I a glimpse of that one. Smalls. I know. Judy. But uh, fun question, all the same. And um, that's an interesting one to get into. What films have won, you know, both actor and actress, or they've won actor and supporting actor? There's, only, there's actually quite a short list. Right. In fact, there's only three films I think that have won uh, actor and supporting actor it's uh, very very rare that okay. they would do that so anyway uh, those were my five wow well uh, you know what that means final 
You've won the quiz. That's beautiful. Yeah. Now I get to take a victory lap. Two I can, and a half to two. I can get this one dra- dramatically wrong and still win. That is yeah. pretty fun. You want to hear the last one? Absolutely. Before your victory lap? I do. Neil, who was the first Canadian director to win Best Director? A. Denis Villeneuve. Mm. B. James Cameron. C. Steven Soderbergh. Or D. George Lucas. Hmm. That's a tr- is this a trick question? Are any of these men not Canadian? I mean, uh, that would know. be that would be so lucky. Um, Take it easy. You won the quiz, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't don't uh, hit him out with that. Let's go with uh, Mr. Lucas. Mr. Lucas uh, is American. You see, I, I so had he this was not yeah. the first Canadian director oh. to win this director. This is why I said, is this a trick question? <laughs> Steven Soderbergh is yeah. also American. Oh, cool. That there would have are, been that would have been my second. There yeah. are two Canadians in this list: mm. Denis Villeneuve, yeah. who I assume is Quebecois, yeah. and Jim Cameron, who was the first. Who was the first yeah. to win? God best damn it. director, and it was quite late. It was in uh, 1998 for Titanic. Yeah, jeez. And, and he's still Villeneuve, making films. Did Villeneuve got it for Dune or? Am I misremembering? Uh, he didn't win. Ah, oh, ouch. Okay. Yeah, I just threw him in because he was question. Canadian. Good question. All yeah. the same. I love these uh, these trick questions. How about that? Yeah. Well, 2.5 to 2. It, I mean, it's... Congratulations. Uh, it was close, if nothing else. Yeah. And that was the Oscars for this year. We will be back next week, listeners. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter. That's at Impostulation. Email us, lostimpostulation at gmail.com. And take the polls for all of you listening on Spotify. Talk to you next time.